Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to the Neighborhood Pub, and welcome to Pine Class Preachers. I'm Tom O'Neill. That's right, THE Tom O'Neill. And joining me are my co-hosts, Gabe and Josh. Today we'll be calmly discussing politics, very calmly, where all three of us will show our utter lack of knowledge and general ignorance on this very important topic. Josh, 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 Josh. Yes, yes, yes. Level six. Level six. Level Level six. six. Take me to level six, Gabe. Take me to level six. I've been to one, two, three, four, five, and it's time. You got to multiply yourself. You got to multiply the multiplier of your multiplying. Dude, I'm gonna multiply myself. So literally, there's twelve of me that makes twelve disciples, which makes twelve more disciples, and it keeps multiplying disciples until literally there are no disciples left to disciple. And then hashtag exponential twenty sixteen. So the other day, do you know what that sounded like? That what? that sounded like if. Depression made out with bitterness. That's what that sounded like. That was awful, guys. That's pretty much what exponential church planting is all about. So it's actually the story of my life Uh, right there, Tom. In fact, so funny story real quick. I know you guys have real stories, but oh, hey, everyone. Welcome to Pine Glass Preachers. Uh, My name is Gabe Casper. To to the dozens of people listening around the Midwest. Josh, tell us how many people are listening to us. Uh, to date, we have almost 1,000 downloads. Almost, almost 946 to be exact. And we can only attribute 648 of those Thanks, to, that, to Tom's mom. We are thankful, Janet. We are thankful. No, my wife was listening to our podcast. She's one of the, the 900. And, uh, and she was saying, you know, why do you guys always start with that stupid stuff that makes no sense? It's not very good podcasting. And you know what? She's right. But guess what? I'm never going to stop. <laughs> well, she well, didn't know. She, she well, that's true. So yeah. At least, no, no, I'm just saying, well, at least we should just own up to it. You know what I mean? There are plenty of other great podcasters. So I'm, let's just that's a great idea. I'm in complete Careful. agreement with your wife that the first 30 seconds of our podcast are quite possibly the worst thing that most people have ever listened to. Well, the thing is, Tom, if we set the bar really, really low, there's only one place we can go. <laughs> you know, that's been my philosophy in life. Like, you know, people say that, but you can I don't still know go that, down. Like, even with a super low bar, I don't know you can that still we could. go down. I don't know that. You know what, though? I used to always say that about Detroit. I'd always say, it can't get worse. It can't get worse. And that's still correct. <laughs> and look where they're at now. <laughs> so, anyways... Uh, Tom, you have to ask us a question. I have to remind you every week. It's your one job. It's my one job, but I just don't want to make it seem so cliche and lame. But uh, 
we do need to talk about because we are the Pine Class Preachers. What are we drinking? Gabe, what are we drinking? Well, Tom, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, once again, speaking of my wife, she encouraged me not to just do crap beer anymore. So uh, I'm Your doing wife uh, is a the smartest person ever. She really should be on this show instead of me. You know what? That's a great idea because Jenny was talking about getting on the show too. We oh should have like a my, that's the real ladies' like night. Um, so I'm drinking Real Ale, Real Ale Brewing Company based out of uh, Austin, Texas. And it's a fire, yes, it's a Fireman's Fourth or Blonde Ale. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a simple, so simple ale, but uh, it's very, very tasty. So how about you, Josh? What do you got? You know, I'm following in uh, with the, I don't know what the weather's like in Austin, but it has been quite warm here in Chattanooga lately. And so tonight for our episode, I picked up a, an Oberon Ale from Come on. Bell's Brewing Company. And uh, it's just it's just a nice little wheat beer. You know, it's a nice little weedy summer beer. It's getting me in the mood for when school's out. And all I do is just sit on the front lawn, get sunburnt, put on the sprinkler, and just drink copious amounts Dude, of Dude, you're uh, a true Tennessee man. That actually sounds more like something that would happen in the upper Midwest, like Wisconsin, Minnesota. We only kind of like three days that we can sit um, on our porch, and so, so no, that's say. not anything like up here. Well, somehow you get all you guys get sunburnt on those three days. So uh, I don't know how you, how you do that, but it's impressive. I anyway, think, what are you, you drinking, know, today Tom? Is what are less you drinking? About what I'm drinking, but it's more <laughs> about the charcuterie that comes along with the with the drinks. Whoa. Uh, so last night I had a okay. friend over. We were right. watching the uh, actually, uh, Gabe, you know him, uh, James uh, James Burnow, otherwise known as Atlas. Oh, middle name August. It's not only a month. Yep. And so he was over watching the the NFL draft, and he brought he brought a uh, summer sausage that was not just summer sausage. It had cheese and craisins mixed Ooh. in and it was fantastic and so i'm eating a little bit of that as we go and so along with the aforementioned margarita from what two episodes ago so uh, it's all good i tell you what that summer sausage that's proper midwest right there that's right like people don't get that anywhere else yeah straight that's up. awesome straight up Hey, so you guys were telling me before the show as we were going through notes, uh, yes, believe it or not, folks, we actually do a little bit of prep before these. It's not just totally random. But no more than two uh, to three minutes of prep. Let's, yeah, let's not go we crazy. wouldn't want to overdo it, take away from the natural feel of the thing. Uh, but you guys tell me you had some funny stories. Who's up first? Yeah, well, speaking of two to three minutes, it's really uh, ironic how two to three minutes can impact your life in what such a transition. Deep, meaningful ways. This is not th- this is not one of those situations because I was at Walmart talking to an older woman who was checking me out. Whoa, on a number of levels. And I don't usually wait. Like I know was I she know. the cashier? Or she carry... was just looking at you. No, she was the cashier. So she was okay. checking. Okay, got me it. Out. Did, you can read you, between the lines or just take it for what it is. It's up to you. No, no. Um, but that is that is a diff- that's a totally different topic because people make things really awkward when you have a beard and a waxed mustache because they'll like stop you and then like I had these one high schoolers one time they were sitting on a bench outside of a pizza place and I'm like oh man that's a cool mustache like can I like touch it and I was like yeah I guess and they're like do you ever like rub that on people's faces and I was like no that's the most bizarre thing that I've ever heard in my entire life so thank you for making wow, me want to shave my face now all right on with your story. Getting anyway, checked out. Anyway, yeah, I'm at Walmart. 
And rarely do I have cash on me, but I had like $20 in my pocket trying to buy some dog food. And I'm going up to the, to the register, and I hand her the $20 bill. And she goes, oh, man, can't spend this much, this stuff any longer. I was like, oh, wait, what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, Obama's <laughs> trying to get rid of cash. He's trying... Yeah, did you hear? Obama's going to make it so we can't even spend cash anymore. He just wants us to use your card so we can steal your identity. Can't believe Obama's going to cut away, deal away with cash. And I was like, oh, man, that would be so terrible. Boy, that's that's messed up. And she's like, yeah, Thanks, Obama. Obama. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks for the dog food. And I left. But I thought to myself, in that short exchange, I'm not sure how much more my mind could have been blown on where we're at as a country politically, uh, how polarizing our first black president has been, um, and honestly, just how crazy people get about stuff that's truth. not even like truth. Truth. So, you know what I, I mean? had a very, very similar experience. Just a couple months ago, I was on my way actually back from uh, northern Wisconsin. I'm driving the car. Someone calls my phone. I pick it up, which was a huge mistake. But I'm driving down the road, and this lady... Uh, picks it up. She asks if, if, if this is the president of Youth Encounter. I said, yes, it is. And she immediately, like, I thought it was going to be business-like, but she immediately launches into just a diatribe against Obama. She starts with, Obama is a dirty Muslim, which, you yeah, know... That was... Wait, those were her actual words? Wait, she, yeah, she used, yeah. so she used the word dirty? offensive from the get-go, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's and he lo- he's actually a pretty clean guy. Like he's always looked really well dressed. I would never consider, yeah, like yeah. Obama the connotation as dirty. she was using. And so she she starts with that. She then says he's got this like little Muslim woman whispering in his ear at all, in all his meetings. I'm like, are you talking about Michelle? Like, is is <laughs> is that what you're talking about? She then goes on to talk about how you know she she hits on abortion. Then she goes uh, on a socialism rant. For forever, okay. you know. Yep. Then she starts talking about how or Obama's got a secret army of three thousand Muslims in America here, just ready to like take over the country. And I like <laughs> I wanted to argue with her on a logistical front about how three thousand troops isn't going to be enough, but you know nope. that that's neither here nor there. Uh, she then went on to just like causes of war and things like, and basically everything that's that's happened that is bad in this world for like the last 50 years, never mind that Obama is like just over 50 50? years old. (laughs) Like it was Obama's fault. And she just went on and on and on for 30 minutes. And I'm like, I'm driving down the road and it was mildly entertaining to listen to her. But like, I didn't even want to say, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Because she might take that as I'm agreeing with her. And then I I briefly toyed with the fact of, uh, of saying, I wanted to just break in and say, hey, did you know that I'm a Democrat? Because I didn't know if that would get her off the phone or just re-energize her to... Just get a click. Wait a second. So, so Tom, you sat on the phone and listened to this Uh entire diatribe from this woman. And then the last time that I called you, you hung up on me and then texted me and said, (laughs) oops, I was in a tunnel. (laughs) So... You made up an excuse to hang up on me, but you'll listen to this random woman rail on... Barack Obama for yeah, who knows how long? it was really entertaining. I mean, just, again, to hear the spiteful, hateful, racist things that people think about Obama just because he's black. And so it's it, it was hilarious to me. So 
they re- they really should listen into episode four of Plant Glass Preachers because they would have all the answers then on get some knowledge. Get some knowledge, son. Hey, can I ask you guys this? You you both were together. You met each other for the first time. Our listeners don't realize this. You didn't really know each other except for me as the bridge. Yeah. Uh, but now, you guys are friends. Now we don't need you. We we actually are trying to figure out ways to cut you out of. Well, our that's lives. I mean, and a smart move, I, I would say. <laughs> things things will start going better for you. I assure you. Um, it, it was. But how was that? It, if you if you let me, you know we. Uh, I was waiting in the airport. I was waiting for the little tram in Dulles Airport uh, to come and get me. Uh, Josh and I were meeting each other at Dulles uh, to do this event. And so I I looked to my right where the escalators were, and here comes this beautiful bearded gentleman coming down the uh, – Mm. down the escalator and it, there was a light behind him so he was he was backlit and I just knew from that moment uh, that, that this was going to be something special and I just think uh, <laughs> the, the next 48 hours just really really cemented a very strong relationship if Wes Halula would have been present there would have been no greater cinematic <laughs> climax. Than if that. only, if only. Well, so you guys besties. certainly kept. You guys. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Maybe our show will get better. Um, <laughs> hey, not likely. so not likely. No, but speaking of our show getting better, uh, we are talking politics today. Promises of getting better. Promises of a better tomorrow. A future you can believe in from the Pine Class Preachers. Uh, And we want to talk about it more with you guys, more in depth. But we're going to go to a quick break. Uh, Today, our musical guest comes straight out of Austin, Texas. Uh, They're a band called Scientist. Uh, You can check them out on Spotify, iTunes. They're actually a Billboard chart-topping band. If you haven't heard of them, you should totally check them out. Here's Scientist from Austin, Texas. Enjoy. Guys, welcome back to Pint Glass Preachers Politics Night. That was Scientist coming straight from Austin, Texas. Uh, I actually met the lead singer of that band, so I feel sort of famous. It does. Does that count? Can I be can I be famous because of that? Anyway, like I said, we're talking politics tonight. And ironically, um, Tom and I, the first time we met last weekend, we didn't mince any words. We didn't pull any punches. Almost immediately into our newly discovered friendship, we started tackling the tough issues like are amazing candidates who are available to be voted on for president of the United States of America. What a time to be alive. So can we just go through the four of them? Should we just do that right now? Wait, I thought there were only two. There are four. Are there there four? Actually, there's five. Kasich doesn't Uh, count. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we're not going to go through Kasich. No. That actually sounds like a great slogan. Kasich doesn't count. Like That should be on... Signs or actually, it sounds like a great name for like an album or or like a band. Let's start a political folk band. Should we start a Pine Creek band? I love it, dude. What the world needs even more than a subpar podcast is a subpar folk band. I have no musical talent to offer, so all right, we're gonna go left to right. 
Does that work? Uh, so, so starting on me. the far, far left. Mr. Bernie are Sanders? You, <laughs> are you feeling the burn, kids? Feel the Feel burn. Feel the burn. I, All right, I'm so, burnt. Go on. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about these candidates except for like, uh, I don't want to vote for him. Like, well, let's just not say that. We'll withhold judgment. Here's the deal. All right, so Bernie Sanders, let's go pluses and minuses. Pluses. Birds like him. You know what? I'm, I'm, what? Forget this. Forget this whole thing. We don't even, to wa- even need to waste our time on all five of the candidates, which I didn't even realize there were five left. I thought half of them literally left the race. Here's what happened. Tom and I were talking, and at one point, uh, he uttered these words. You know what? Donald Trump should be the next president of the United States. And after I picked myself up off the ground, literally, because I made myself fall over to try and show this dramatic response to Tom's ridiculous statement, I stood back up and he attempted to argue me into believing that it made any sense whatsoever for Donald Trump to be considered a viable had presidential Tom been, candidate. Had he been drinking when he said this? Election. I did have a three-hour flight, and there was a cart service, so it's possible, but... So a ginger ale. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so Tom, defend yourself, you because this is me. nonsense. I mean, uh, even... You just... Come on. He, hear me out, okay? Before you break in with your arguments and your... And your that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. First off, we'll start with the baseline, that I agree with everybody who's not a horrific racist that Donald Trump... Is an awful person. He's a bigot. He uh, has a very poor uh, view on women, on minorities, on immigrants. I don't agree with pretty much anything that he says. All right. So let's just let's start there. Okay. Why I think he should be president, though, is based on the fact that our Congress has a, an 11 percent approval rate. Based on that the average American can barely, barely talk about politics in any kind of knowledgeable way, being that our president, uh, any president is hovering around 30 percent popularity and, and approval ratings, we, mm-hmm. America generally believes that our politicians are, do not have our best interests at heart. Yeah, it's absolute gridlock in Congress. Nobody can get anything done. I believe that we are very close to rock bottom. And I believe that if 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 Trump were to become president, that would bring us to absolute rock bottom. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe that would finally wake us up out of our drunken slumber the American people and say, whoa, maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention. Maybe we need to start electing better leaders. Maybe we need to start taking a little bit more interest in politics and in our country and policy and things like that instead of just blindly voting Republican or Democrat because that's what we should do. Maybe, maybe hitting rock bottom is what we absolutely need to do to start back up to making America great again. When in history has oh. that ever worked? Because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure all the terrible countries, or all the I shouldn't say that's American. Actually, pretty that's ridiculous. All the all the countries in terrible political turmoil right now, 
they hit rock bottom with, oh, I don't know. Let me just drop a few names. Muammar Gaddafi, Saddam Hussein. Uh, we'll go old school, maybe some Pol Pot. I don't know. And look where they're at now. Still in political turmoil. So basically it sounds like you're arguing that we should just throw ourselves into disarray for the next, for, first I don't of know, all, four or five decades. So I'm pretty sure that's never all, happened in real life. Would you not say that we are in disarray already? One. Secondly, I think the whole... Uh, you know, the whole uh, Asian continent there would say that they're, no matter what's happening right now, they are better off without Pol Pot. And two, let's look at, let's look at political uh, systems. Let's, let's bring it biblical. Uh, you have King Saul, who was not a good king, and then you have David. Better. So you're, so you're saying that we will hit rock bottom with Donald Trump, kind of like Israel did with King Saul, and then somehow we'll have a King David riding his coattails. Yeah. Is that, am I yes, hearing you correctly? That is, exactly is, that, is that what, what you're I'm saying, saying, Tom? Let me just throw this out there, though, Tom. Like, I actually understand your logic and sort of agree with it. That has been a thought. Thank you, just, just chill out. Wait, are you kidding me? Preachers. Are you kidding me? Just. Josh. That is ridiculous. No, 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 no. Let no. me finish. I, I let me let finish. Stop so, it. here's. Think before you speak. Think before you speak. Here's, Think before you speak. Well, I get what Tom is saying, and but here's my concern with your logic, Tom, is I think that that would hopefully be the case. He tried to reference King David. At what human cost, right? See, that's my whole thing is like I, I don't like I certainly don't like Trump because, I don't know, I have a brain, but like I – if he got elected, I understand what you're saying. I think there's that potential of it just making us be like, well, we need to wake up and shake some things up and do things better. But before that would happen, how much damage is he going to do? That's my thing. Like, people are going to die if he goes in office. See, that's my, like, that's my issue is I feel like he's going to tick off so many people. And we're not going to have, we're not going to recover in time for, for it to have been worth it. See, I, I, I disagree because our, our Congress is in such gridlock, they can't even, they cannot even elect a new Supreme Court justice, which is mandated that they do. And they are somehow subverting the law by saying, we're going to wait until the next presidential candidate comes in. That's not what they're supposed to do. They are supposed to immediately embark upon finding a new Supreme Court justice. They can't even do that. Well, yeah, but it's fine. It doesn't, I mean, it, so yes, what, what, Congress what, can be as whatever, big a mess as they want. I'm just saying, have you heard of an executive would, order? No, executive no. orders are going to kill us all. No, because, because that can be vetoed. This isn't real. Are you guys actually getting into this argument? This, this cannot be real, that you guys are this passionate about the thought the idiotic, ridiculousness thought. Where's Where's Rob Deerdeck? Are we being videotaped right now? Is Rob Deer Is somebody <laughs> getting hit in the crotch with a with a tennis ball or fall off of a homemade zip line? What exactly is happening right now? Because the fact that you guys are even getting heated over this conversation shows just how ludicrous it actually yeah. is. You know. It is ludicrous, but look at the look at the candidates that we have. Everybody thinks Bernie Sanders is way, 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 way to the left, so he doesn't. And he's plus he's, and super, he's super old. old. Like, look at. I him. actually believe that Hillary Clinton. Now hold on, there, mom. I know you're not going to like this, but Hillary Clinton is actually the most qualified person to be president out of the all of these yahoos. 
She's been Secretary of State. She's been the wife of a president. She's been a senator. She's been in politics her whole life. She knows how to play the game. She knows the system. She knows how to do this job. But she is such a polarizing figure. So many people hate her. And, you know, the fact that four people died because of her decisions in Benghazi, like, that just sets her apart even further away. And then you go on the other side, you have Trump, and... Then you have Cruz, who is so incredibly disliked by everybody, including his own daughter, that, like... Okay, that's uncalled for, Tom. You don't need to bring in <laughs> Pete Cannon's family. Did you see that YouTube? He tried on, to give her a hug, and she gave him the Heisman. Just, like... Perfect. Yeah, well, it, he also just called a basketball hoop the basketball that. ring. <laughs> yes. Poor, poor Ted. Poor Ted. You know, he is from Texas. Texas. He represents everything that's wrong. <laughs> and nor should you. I guess. Well, well, never mind. I'm not, not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Did you guys already cover Bernie? Did I miss it? Yeah, we, we covered Bernie. And so okay. he's way too left. So just we don't even talk about it. Yeah. And he's super old. And I I'm personally am super superficial. That sounded really He's weird. not handsome enough uh, for you. I, I'm not going to vote. I, did, no, well, that... But also when when he he's like hunched over and his face skin is sagging, I'm like, do I really want you talking to Angela Merkel or you know Putin or I don't know like Kim Jong Un or something like that? Do I really want you to potentially just die in the middle of a conversation? Wow, you sound like I'm Trump sure. making fun of people's that. facial features. Maybe I am Trump. As a matter of fact, when the wind blows hard enough, it actually makes my hair flop around like Donald Trump's comb. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. So thanks, Tom. Thanks for I, just. I'm surprised you guys uh, totally glossed over the fact that I that that I said that Hillary Clinton would be the best candidate for president. Well, well, that actually that highlight. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Tom. And I'm going to save this question for when we speak to our guest for today because he actually knows what he's talking about. It's true, and we don't. But it highlights a very significant issue in my mind and a huge question that I've been waiting to ask someone who can hopefully give me a legitimate answer as to why we declare that we don't have a two-party system. But in reality, we always only have two parties to vote for. It's either Republican or Democrat. Ralph Nader never had a chance in hell to win, and it made me cry sometimes. That's the first guy I ever voted for, actually. It, it was, was dude. I was so. Oh. Yeah, and I came to UK. You know, that, that's actually uh, a pretty interesting piece. That when you talk about there's only two parties, I mean, I, I always look at it like a. We should have a buffet to go and eat at, but all, but but what you're saying is like, no, you only get Brussels sprouts or, you know. Kale, like those are your only two options. You know, both things yeah. I hate, and so yeah, like that's that. I, I hate how if you're a Republican, you have to in- love fiscal conservatism. You-, you have to love guns. You have to love being pro-life. You have to love war, which is hilarious to me. How we care so much about babies, but as soon as you turn eighteen, eh, screw it. We'll send you off to any country in the world for a war. This is awesome. But then, like, if you're Democrat, you have to hate guns. You have to love gay people. You have to be, a, you know, liberal in all cases, and you can't like pick and choose from either one. I, I, I just, this is, this is ridiculous. What? 
And so I think, you know, Tom, you're entering into a tension there that I feel like I th- hopefully a lot of thoughtful Christians find themselves in, if I can just bring it around to here, we're like, I don't really know what to do because like on certain issues, like I'm a pro-life guy, you know, I'm like, and, and I, and I pro all the way around life. Right. So before it's born and after it's born, like, yay, keep it alive, you know, but what do we do? Cause if, I feel like there's no happy medium, like there's no place to land uh, comfortably. Which is why abstinence is always the most effective. What? When did we get policy. to fifth grade biology? Wait, you're saying abstaining from voting, Josh? I mean, I don't know. It's it's something that I struggle <laughs> with, and I always toy with because I'm like, you know, what I mean, like, I it's it's our we have a right and a privilege to vote, and there are people around the world who don't. But at the same time, like, I am fairly cynical of our process and whether or not my vote actually counts. Uh, and a lot of people would argue that it doesn't because we've got these super delegates who ultimately get to decide. But two, I don't know. Like, but let me tell you this, Josh, like I, so I is a funny story. A few years ago, this doesn't sound funny. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm not getting angry. Uh, a few years ago, uh, you know, the church (laughs) I was working at at the time, I wrote a little, e-newsletters for the 2012 election and like the the title is like tongue-in-cheek and I just said your guide to voting in the 2012 election like that's what I did and my article all I said was as a Christian the reason you vote is out of love for your neighbor okay so so as a Christian like your duty in voting is to do what's best for your neighbor and uh and that that was it Right, Requish Christians love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's kind of our, our our mantra here. And I got back like, oh, pastor, I didn't realize you were such a liberal. And and I feel like did not know what to do with me saying that. It was as if like going into the voting booth meant like taking off love for neighbor. And, and, and I guess I tell you that story to say, like, I feel like that's why it actually is important for Christians to engage politics and to not be apathetic, because it, it is a very real way to love your neighbor. You know, I mean, yeah, but I think there are more real ways well, of to course. love your neighbor, because like, think about it. OK, so so but what you're doing is you're saying that my vote, my particular political persuasion and the candidate that I vote for is is loving all of my neighbors but in reality it's only going to be loving let's just make it easy 50% of your neighbors because think about those neighbors at your church so if you say i'm going to vote for you know i'm pro life i'm you know right this election i'm i'm leaning more republican so i'm going to vote for you know I guess, well, that sucks because Donald Trump right now, but you would vote for a a Republican candidate, okay? But that's going to piss off some of your neighbors who would say, oh, so you're anti-LGBTQI or, oh, you hate social, you know, social justice. You think people shouldn't get government assistance? You know what I'm saying? Like, by... Saying that that's loving your neighbor, like yeah. why not just go? But you're setting up a false dichotomy there. You're setting up a false dichotomy there. Like why not? Yeah, you are. Why not do both? No way. Okay. Yes, you can because you can't. Because if you vote for one political party, no, no, no. it's going to ostracize off another some, set of people. Like, no, no, no. Taking off someone who thinks differently about politics than you do is not inherently unloving, right? So, so let me just ex- so then explain to me how voting, casting a vote for a polarizing figure, either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, is going to end up 
being beneficial to the okay. majority so, of the So natives. what do I, as a Christian, like want the government to do? I want them to uphold justice. I want them to, to curb people from us completely going into anarchy and killing each other. Uh, and, and I want them, you know, to, to, to keep good order in society. Like that is a good thing to happen because it protects the innocent. Sure. Okay. Now how we do that best is going to be different for different people. How we see that, how we think through that best is going to be different for different people. And so if I end up voting Republican, because I think, you know what, fiscal conservatism is the way to go because that way, you know, people are, are, are doing jobs and they're, um, we're employing, you know, more people that way because this candidate is going to allow more people to get jobs. Then, then guess what? That's that's a good thing. Um, and if I vote Democrat because I think they're going to really help some racial inequalities that are going on, and, and I want to be a part of that, uh, then then that's great. But but you just but you just set up a, a dichotomy right there because you set up this either or where. It's one or the other. And well, that's what I'm saying. It depends have, on the circumstance like, and the candidate. Yes, exactly. Those ways exactly. Yes, you can. You're right. And that's why I'm saying it doesn't matter. In a more effective It doesn't way matter if you go left or right. I mean, it does matter in one sense, but it doesn't matter if you go left or right. Because all I'm trying to say is like, if you think through how you vote based on the best way to love your neighbor, that's probably going to lead different Christians in different directions. But to me, that's the question you should be asking. I think, I don't know, man, that just sounds like a yet another, I mean, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I feel like that's just another lazy excuse to not actually go out and love your neighbor. Because you're kind of like, oh, I voted for this guy who's supposed to love my neighbor for me by the political system he sets up, the rules he makes, the laws he tries to push, the agendas he's, he's for or against. And I'm just going to sit back and because I voted for him, I'm doing my part, which I think is, is what a majority this of Christians is, tend to do, an, actually. Conservative This Christians. conversation doesn't even apply in the last 10 years of politics because we, it, it doesn't... Nobody sits there and says, gosh, who's going to do the best for, for my neighbor? Because we simply go... I on, do. No, well, maybe just you, but, like, most people are so strident with their... With their political views that and and even to your point earlier like i'm a christian well if you're a christian that mean must mean that you're voting republican right because which it doesn't only christian no only christians are republicans listen people can stereotype how they want and democrat at the same time i mean yeah that's that's the narrative (laughs) that we have right now we, That's the narrative. But what I'm saying is like, it does, I don't care what the narrative is like that. It doesn't matter. People can say what they want to say. They can assume what they want to assume. I'm saying for the Christian, you should participate in the political uh, system because it is an opportunity to show love to your neighbor. I'd like for you to give me a concrete example. If this isn't prying too much in your personal life, Gabe. So I, I would actually like to know. Now that we pretty much have a good idea that the candidates are going to be either Hillary or Donald, uh, I'd like to, I mean, give me an example of, if you don't mind, who you're going to vote for and how that's going to, how that's going to benefit. Absolutely. I'll tell you what I did. I'm happy to tell you what I did. I voted in the primary. Oh, you voted in the primary? Well, so here's why I did it. I have never, I don't know if I should say this. I will. Okay. I have never voted Republican before in my life. But because... Oh, don't even. Let me finish. Don't even. Do you want me to tell you? Do you want to ask a question and then insult? Or do you? Okay. 
Okay. But yes. Okay. When the Go Texas yep. primary yep. came up, I said like, I, and this is literally how I thought about. It. I'm not trying to like be a saint here, but I literally thought to myself, I said, Gabe, you, you have to do something to not allow Trump to win the Republican primary. Like that was that was where my head was at, and so, <coughs> excuse me, um, and and so. I said, I'm going to have, and in, and in Texas, in order to vote in the primary, you have to subscribe to a party, which I haven't never done before in my life. But I said, all right, for the sake of him not getting the nod in Texas, I'm going to vote for John Kasich. And so I did that because I think him getting the election is honestly a dangerous thing. And so I didn't want that to happen. And so I voted for someone in opposition to someone who I thought would harm more of my neighbors, would hurt more people that I care about. Why not just wait till the? Why not just why vote in the primary then? Since it's a closed primary, why not just wait till the general election? Then you could just vote. For because I didn't want him to get any delegates from so, Texas. So, Gabe, which he ended well, up getting. No, I can't help that. Delegates but, from Texas. So, Gabe, what you, what you did is a fairly prevalent primary strategy. That's that's a pretty easy thing to do because it, when you when you see a clear front runner that you think you can derail by voting that, that's a good thing but when it comes to the actual election i mean i'll give you an example we have we have donald trump who has clearly stated how much he hates immigrants and how much you know he would just bar them from from entering the country or everything like that when we're talking about our neighbor we always think about our neighbor as the person who is literally living in the house next to us. And I tend to think of that just as a little further than that. You know, Gabe, you and right. I you and I went down to Peru and spent time yep. with in an orphanage there. And I consider them my neighbors. And so when yep. I think about the refugee situation happening and coming out of Syria and you know, really affecting all the European continent and things like that, like they are a neighbor. And so when you have a candidate who says, I don't want them here. They are horrible people. They are, they are less than human. You know, when I hear someone espousing those types of, that type of rhetoric, then the best thing that I can do for my neighbor is to vote against him in exactly. any way, shape, or form. Exactly. And so I will vote for Hillary because of that, because he is an awful human being. And I, and okay. that sounds judgy, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right. Yes. See, do you get that, Josh? See, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like if you're just apathetic, then you're missing out on an opportunity. I'm not saying you're changing the world by one vote and that it should be an excuse to not actually do the hard work of no. actually loving people. I guess, but is a way to do it. No, but I guess I guess what I'm sure. I guess what I'm saying is this: I would gladly follow what Paul says in Romans about respecting authority and <laughs> the the governments that have been instituted. And given that authority by God, like, I'm cool with that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not being apathetic in the political process, but instead of choosing to kind of throw my hat in the ring on the national level, um, I can spend, better spend my time, energy, and resources um, dealing with local politics, particularly state and city politics, where there is a far better chance of actual change and uh, loving my neighbor oh. happening. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, like, I actually applaud you for voting Kasich because honestly, like, if he's still around, I'll probably vote for him because I just don't like anyone else. So no, Kasich doesn't count. He still counts <laughs> very much to Gabe Casper and to Josh Woodrow. But, uh, but what I'm saying is like, what I, 
it's just one of those it's just one of those cynical biases that I have where I am one of those Americans that I think to myself does I have I guess I have serious cynical doubts of whether or not one my vote counts two like I, I just feel like I'm held captive by the federal government at times and there's nothing that I can do to change it so you know what I mean I get that's just I, I see where you're coming from I get it I just think there are more effective ways to do it. Well, I think that's – you start bringing us down from the national to the state level, which I think is a completely separate topic, and I actually agree with you when you start talking about that. But what we're going to do is we're going to go to break. We're going to hear a little bit more about scientists. We're going to bring in our guest uh, who knows more about politics than us. That is absolutely true. And so when we get yeah. back, we're going to talk politics a little bit more. K-Sit counts. K-Sit counts. K-Sit counts. No. K- no nobody. You're done. No? No one else? Okay. Scientist. Right. Let's listen to more scientists. everyone well that was scientist straight out of austin texas we hope you enjoyed them be sure to check them out download their stuff on itunes and uh, give them a listen they are great well hey it is a you ruin everything tom uh and uh but we are we are so honored right now we are so honored we have a very special guest with us uh he grew up in the fine city of amarillo texas is a great place to be from uh did his undergraduate work at west texas a&m Went on to grad school, got a PhD, that is a doctoral degree, from the University of Arkansas. Slick Willie himself couldn't be prouder. Uh, It's in public policy. And then he started the political science program at Concordia University, Texas, along with some friends, uh, and currently runs the political science program at Concordia University, Texas. Uh, A brilliant man, a father of two. Uh, I'm honored to call him friend, uh, and so we welcome to the show for the first time, Dr. Brent Burgess. Thanks for joining us, Brent. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you, man. No, those are not drone strikes in Syria. We are not under attack from ISIL. I'm about to drop a bomb on our newfound guest, Dr. Brent Burgess. So welcome once again to um, Pine Class Preachers. I just figured I would just jump right in. Is that is that okay with you? Cool. So um, a while ago, there was this Christian rapper from St. Louis, Missouri named Thistle. Great music, by the way. Another shameless plug for him. And uh, he talked about the fact that by not voting for Trump, it wasn't necessarily an endorsement for Hillary Clinton. And I replied back to his tweet and said, exactly. 
This highlights the issue with our current two-party system. And I know that I'm not the only one with this fundamental issue with this, uh, I mean, with the two-party system. And so I guess my question, just to get us going and warmed up, is is there a way that we can even escape this, this like, I don't know, this two-party system that we have? And the, the forced either-or vote, you know what I mean? Like, I remember when Nader was back in the day, at least we had a third choice. But why don't we have a more diverse uh, group of candidates to choose from? Why are we stuck either with the Republican nominee or the Democratic nominee and nowhere and no one else. All right, so uh, let me answer that with a question. Uh, do you guys remember Ross Perot? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um... Tom and him were <laughs> classmates in elementary school. <laughs> See, I was going to say that Gabe and Josh barely remember him because they were like six years old when Ross Perot was actually relevant. Beat you to the old man joke punch, Tom. <laughs> so if you recall, Ross Perot ran for president back in 1992, and he received upwards of 20-something percent of the vote. And he basically got zero, zero electoral college votes from that. The reason we have a two-party system in the United States is because of our antiquated way that we elect presidents. The electoral college basically causes us to have to either select one person or another because basically... The candidate has uh, candidates have to get a majority to win the electoral college. They have to win the electoral co majority of the electoral college votes together. So that kind of naturally pushes us towards a two-party system. And you know, most countries are going to have four, four to six major parties. Um, the United States gravitates to two parties, um, and within those parties, you have factions, but they kind of stick with that whole two-party thing. And so, the, are we ever going to get away from it? Well, we could probably make a, uh, a good stab at it if we were to get rid of the Electoral College, which really, in the modern context, serves no purpose anyway. I mean, it's, it's, it's just an antiquated way because the framers were scared of, uh, scared of democracy. So, I mean, that, well, that, actually, that was really highlighted in, in the Bush versus Gore election, right? I mean, we, we had all this, you know, who won the popular election, but then the Electoral college actually decided who was who was the winner correct yeah i mean um you know uh, al gore uh got more than a million more votes than george bush did um i mean it's still a, a fairly small percentage we're talking about a hundred probably a hundred million votes cast in that election or more um but yeah it was he won the he won the popular vote yeah george bush won the office um so yeah so let me ask you this question you know, when we talk about this two-party system, we're America, and so much of of what we are what we are based on is that we have so much choice, we have so much opportunity, yet we limit ourselves to two parties. We say you either have to believe in this set of ideals and beliefs, or this other set. Bloods are crippled. So what you're saying or Democrats. Yeah. What you're saying is you'd rather have fewer choices of cereal and more choices of political parties, right? Yeah, Whoa. I would. There are a lot of Whoa. nasty cereals out there. Actually, I'm real happy true. with the amount of cereals I can choose from. So <laughs> I do like I the cereal. It's an either or. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Because if you had uh, Captain Crunch sprinkled donuts, it's disgusting. It sounds uh, awesome. I love donuts. Hold on. Captain Crunch, great. Donuts, great. Captain Crunch donuts, awesome. Not this one. Not this one. Personally, I think Captain Crunch should be promoted to Admiral because his cereal is the bomb. Yeah. See, 
I like you, Brad. This is this is what Pine Class Preachers is bringing. We're bringing on a real guest who has real knowledge about real topics, and we end up bringing it to Captain Crunch. <laughs> donuts. Well, no, but I mean, for real though. Like, I just heard this NPR report about this very issue uh, the other day, and they were basically like, you know, it's really fascinating that we're one of the few democratic countries uh, or countries in the world that that has this crazy like long lead up to the actual general election of our of our national leader and you know all these countries have basically single day voting where you've got these four five six different parties and their respective candidates people go out and vote and it's just kind of like that and and what the the political correspondent on uh, NPR was talking about was like hey well if if the government were to relinquish that much control and decision making authority to the people then it just wouldn't be democratic and I mean they laced it with a lot of heavy sarcasm but at the same time like is that I mean what could that ever happen is that a viable option or does that provide some of the same kind of false opportunity that that our current system offers well two things I think you got to realize one is that we most countries have a parliamentary system uh, the parliamentary systems uh, have advantages and disadvantages uh, but one of the advantages of them is that basically they tend to be very politically responsive uh, and they tend to be you know they, they, they tend to not be uh, operate kind of like our system does. Our, our system is designed to be slow and methodical and very dispersed. Um, the other thing is, you know, you know, we, the, the framers, uh, not to kind of defend the framers, but the framers really had a blank slate. They have a lot of stuff to draw on, so they designed the best system they could based on what they had. That doesn't mean we have to, doesn't mean we shouldn't update what we have, but that's kind of why we are where we are. Let so, me let me challenge you on that a little bit because something I hear all the time in political talk radio and, and in national discourse is what the forefathers thought, what the framers thought. And, and you know, this, these are people who lived 250 years ago and who had no concept of the challenges or, or technology or the, or the things that we're facing right now. And so when I hear about, you know, when when our forefathers developed our constitution and whatnot, it was directly based off of their experiences with a very totalitarian government system with England. And so, in my mind, this is, you know, there's no better example than the than the Second Amendment of, you know, we have the right to bear arms because, you know, we need to be able to rise up against the government because they just did that against against Britain. And at that point, there was only muskets and cannons and hang and, and a hand gun. That's it. And they had no concept of drones and 50 cal snipers and all this kind of stuff. And so why do we keep going back to the forefathers as saying, yeah, you guys knew everything about creating a government when they were operating based on their very limited experiences with the British? Why can we not get past that? Well, I mean, uh, you know, there's a great there's a great author, uh, Sanford Levinson. He wrote this book uh, about the imbecilic constitution, and, and he writes editorials all the time. And he talks about basically we need to we need to up, up upgrade the constitution at least, or perhaps you know go to a new kind of document. Problem with doing that, and I don't disagree that the constitution certainly needs updating. Problem with doing that is we don't have the same political climate that we had when uh, basically the Constitution is written. I, I, I think that that moment has passed us, at least for a while, because uh, 
you know, everybody came together at that time. They decided, hey, we're going to write this constitution. Uh, we're going to compromise. We're going to work together. We're going to we're going to see past differences and that kind of stuff. And that is certainly not the political climate we live in today. And so you, you just use the word compromise. I'm not familiar with that term. You know, we, we have that. That's an option. Yeah, people compromise. Yeah, it's uh, you know, people used to compromise in politics all the time. Um, Tom compromises on his own belief system on a regular basis. Every uh, day, every day. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, though, Brent. Like, I, I appreciate what you're saying. One of the things, though, I guess I wrestle with is like, um, you, you know, the whole reason the Constitution is the way it is, and the way our government is set up the way it is, is is the whole idea of checks and balances, right? Like, that's kind of our deal. That's why it is so slow. That's why it's so brutal is to say, hey, we want to prevent anything crazy or radical from happening uh, too quickly. Um, do you think like that shouldn't be the case anymore? Or are there ways to improve what we try to do without um, losing those checks and balances? Well, I mean, you know, our system, our system is slow on purpose, like you're alluding to. Um, and that serves us well in some instances, and, and it serves us, it doesn't serve us so well in other purposes. I was, you know, when I was talking about the parliamentary system earlier, uh, one of the problems with the parliamentary system is that the people uh, or the parties can call an election any time. So you can go to places like Taiwan or Japan where they'll go through sometimes up to six prime ministers in one year. Um, oh and so you have, I mean, not all the time, but during times of instability, um, so that's one problem with it. Um, the framers, when they wrote the Constitution, they're looking at it like this. If government's gonna, if government's gonna be doing something, it's gonna be doing one of two things. It's either gonna be telling you you can't do something, or it's gonna be taking your property away through taxation or something. And yeah. so they wanted to make it really hard to uh, to get laws passed. And so the system is rigged. I mean, it's 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 designed to be slow and methodical and basically take a long time to get things passed. And we get really, we jump up and down and get frustrated when it when things don't work out as quickly as we want. But, you know, like I said, we we, we only have ourselves to blame because that's how the system is designed. Um, there's just so many, so many mechanisms built into it to, to slow things down. So why do they make it seem so easy in Schoolhouse Rock? Because that little <laughs> bill just dances along the sidewalk and next thing you know, it becomes a law. Yeah, blows my mind. Blows my mind. He was eating Captain Crunch or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's so that that leads me to something we were talking about earlier, Brent. Was like so, Tom. You know, he updated you before before we brought you on here about how he thinks it'd be a great idea to have Trump as president because we'd hit rock bottom. And my logic with that was like, listen, that that might be true, but. At what human cost? Like my fear is you get someone like him and let's say maybe you're not that concerned about him, but let's say someone else even crazier than him shows up. Is it possible in our current government system that a president, someone who's part of the executive branch, could do some significant damage quickly? Look at what Obama's done. Like we're all going to hell. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, Muslim yeah. abortions happening every day. You're, you're talking about basically, um, I mean, you're talking about the commander in chief, right? You're talking about somebody, he can't declare war, but he can certainly start one. Um, yeah. you, know, you had you have two Republican candidates that have talked about basically wanting to 
set things up in the Middle East by, you know, having an aggressive foreign policy that would use, uh, you know, basically all sorts of dropping bombs and all sorts of things. And, and so, I mean, yeah, you could, you could definitely screw things up from the Oval Office very, very, very quickly. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I, I got to disagree with, um, I got to disagree with the notion that basically it would be good to elect somebody who is awful in order to, uh, in order to hit rock bottom. So, I, and I the think, absurdity of your argument, Tom, is shattered. By There's also a PhD in front of their name, so you pieces, can't ever say it again. Um, yes. Okay. Gosh, okay. You know, Gabe, you brought up the, you know, at what human cost. I would argue, and I think you would argue the same way, and, you know, Brent, you just said this, that you can screw things up from the Oval Office pretty quickly. And I would say that George W. Bush brought us into a war with Iraq and brought us into a war with Afghanistan that has cost countless human lives because of a need for I don't know what. We didn't find WMDs. We didn't initially go after Afghanistan, which is, you know, where, who was hosting Osama bin Laden. We went after Iraq instead, so you can only, you know, there, there's all this, this talk. But, you know, I don't think George Bush was a very good president because he, lo he launched us into this war and killed numerous, numerous thousands of, of soldiers, a bunch of Iraqi citizens, a bunch of Afghanistan. Afghanis, and you're talking to me about human life. Like, okay, so let's let's bring Trump in, and yeah, it might cost us a few lives. It might cost us some really horrible bills, and it might cost us, you know, some things like that. But tell me, tell me who hasn't already done that? Well, I, like, I don't think doubling just... down on the, I don't think doubling down on the crazy is a. Is, <laughs> it's just what the doctor ordered here. I mean, you know, I. It's an interesting theory, um, and certainly are, everyone's entitled to their opinion, I suppose, but I, I just think that's just asking for, I just, you know, I, that's, that's totally going the wrong direction. I mean, I can think of all, a lot of bad people in history that, I mean, I, I guess why stop at Trump, right? I mean, let's let's really bottom out. Let's go with, um, I don't know, OJ, let's go with O.J. Simpson or, uh, or someone like that. I don't know. <laughs> Kim Lady Kardashian. Kim, Kim, Kardashian. Kim, Kim for president. Kim for president. <laughs> Kanye. It would be Actually, fun to watch. We need to have our first like dual presidency with Kim and Kanye as both sworn in executive. I yeah. like it. Wow. Yeah. No. Maybe uh, so. Tom, you would. Tom, you would love America. Then you would probably get like an American flag tattooed on your back. Mm -hmm. Who says I don't already? You guys don't already? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, is, is that like a requirement if you're a political science professor to have an American flag tattooed somewhere on your body? Um, I can't disclose that information. It's uh, wait, fair enough. Brent, no, Brent, 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 wait, no, Brent I, I want to ask you. I, I want to ask you though, because I mean, the the thought of uh, of Donald Trump being president, you know, and and my assertion that that would bring us to rock bottom is a bit facetious, but like. Can, can we agree that we're we're just on a on a spiral downward? I mean, can you really argue that the really great things are happening from America right now? And, and what is going to bring us? What is going to change that trajectory? Well, I mean, what metric are you looking at? Uh, let's think about it this way. Um, you know, uh, if if we're talking about politics, politics is traditionally been fairly corrupt. I mean, you look at the 19th century, um, politicians were, or 
probably as corrupt or more corrupt than they are even today. I mean, if you look at any measurement, pretty much life today is better than at any other time in our history. Okay, I mean, sure, if you're but, going by decades. So I mean, sure, but but that's not that's not attributed to po to politicians. Our life oh, is sure. better because Bill Gates created a computer, because Steve Jobs created a phone that I can do anything with. Uh, because of medical advancements, I, I look at congressional approval being at 11%. I look at our uh, at 30% of Americans voting. I look at the world pretty much hating us. I look at terrorism around the world. I look at war. I look at all these different things, and I say, no, we are not better than we have been in the past. And yes, we've had war continuously forever and ever, amen. But, I mean, at no point... Has America been lower in the standings of any uh, of the rest of the world? Yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right that we haven't been lower in this in the, in the eyes of the world. Um, a lot of that comes from the fact that we're not quite as necessary to the world anymore. I would think, though, right? Mm -hmm. Point taken. We, uh, you know, the Cold War's over. We, uh, they don't need us to protect them for, like they did during the Cold War. And you know, you'll notice a lot of countries. They become our friends real quick when the uh, when the Russians start so uh, saber rattling or something like that, right? I mean, and so I, I do see a, a changing dynamic, right? Obviously, the United States is is going is kind of moving out of this role of being this kind of top dog kind of thing, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're right; it's a mess. I totally agree with you that it's a mess and it's frustrating and it's and uh, it it's you know. I just look, I look at our, our current political system and who we have to vote for, where I think across the board, most people are like, I don't know who I can, I can morally vote for at this well, time. We don't, don't forget, I mean, we, we elected Warren Harding. Uh, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> <laughs> we elected a lot of people who were, who were crooks, right? I mean, it just, it's perhaps it, I, I hope it's cyclical, right? I hope this is something that comes and goes, and it's just part of the, it's just part of the maturation of a of a country, and it's just, hopefully, it's just a natural. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't tell you what I think what it would be, but. So can I? I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt yeah, this here. Um, and and uh, Brent, man, your thoughts have been been wonderful, and thanks for, being calm, in the face of Tom existing, but um, a miracle in and of itself. It really is. I, Josh and I have yet to master that, but um, uh, but your patience is is saintly, sir. And and speaking of that, uh, if if I may be so bold as as to to out you, uh, I know uh, that that you are a, a Christian uh, young man, and uh, and and love the Lord, but but also love politics. And and so one of the things that we've been talking about is is how as Christians. Uh, we engage politics, and I'm just wondering if, if that's been a thought that's crossed your mind ever, and, and sort of how that that plays a role in your life. No, I've never thought about it. You lie like a rug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, let me. Uh, this this might take a second, so hold on for. Um, yeah. You know, when not too long ago, I went to this church, and um, and it was a it was a nice big church, and I, we went with a friend of ours. And it happened to be the 4th of July, you know, oh. so we went to this church, 4th of July, and it, the whole service was like this big Toby Keith concert. I mean, it was oh, just like gosh. American flags on the wall and, and just singing, you know, all sorts of, of patriotic songs and stuff. Heaven on earth. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. 
And I left that church and, you know, I really started, that was one of the most recent things that really got me thinking about politics and faith. Because um, I, you know, I realized as I was sitting in that church, it's like, are we worshiping God here or are we worshiping a country? And Come on. is is patriotism in church, for instance, is that idolatry, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or just patriotism in general. Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds like a kind of a crazy radical idea, but I mean, it, it, it does make you think about what is the role of, you know, the relationship between the individual and the state and the individual yeah. and his God, right? And, yeah. and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of complexity there. So, um, you know, Christ, Christ was not that political of a guy. Uh, he, uh, you know, he talks about, um, you know, Peter, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Paul talks about respecting authority in Romans. Um, yeah. You know, you've got Christ talking about give Caesar what's his and, and, and give God what's God. And, and really, you know, people are led to believe, well, either they didn't talk about, uh, either the, uh, the disciples didn't really talk about Christ's political leanings or something like that. Or maybe he didn't even discuss it. Maybe he was a bit above that. Maybe he was beyond that. Because um, you got to know there were awful things going on during during Christ time, right? I'm sure there were there were abortions and homosexuals. There were, I mean, whatever it is that we look at today as saying, oh gosh, we can't support that, or we should support that, or something like that. It's not as if those problems are a recent invention or something. Those yeah. things have always happened. Yeah, and so, I know. And. Christ was like it was so such a big deal to him that he said nothing about it that we know of, and mm. so you know it's yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure how Christ would want to stack this. I do know there are certain things uh, that I like to consider uh, the death penalty, right? Um, yeah. Death penalty is something that I think I, I pose that to my students a lot of time. It's like, all right, you know, if if our role as Christians is to emulate Christ. Do you think Christ would want to execute somebody who committed a crime? Right. Well, mm-hmm. or would Christ want us to? Um, do you think Christ would want to go to war with all these different countries and kill men, when, men uh, women, men, and children, and just you know lay waste to an entire country? Well, probably not. You know. And so it's it's tough. It's tough to reconcile your faith with politics, and sometimes you yeah. just can't. But yeah, wow. it doesn't mean that it can't inform who you are, and it can't inform your your decisions about that. Well, I think that brings into into question, you know, Chris very clearly says, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and respect your respect authority and 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 so that's great up to a point, but until Trump gets elected, right? What do you mean? <laughs> like like at what point do what point does civil disobedience come into? Well, before we get into civil disobedience, uh, it was it was fascinating the way that you were kind of articulating that, uh, Brent, because you know one thing that we like to convince ourselves of as American Christians is that we're in the same sort of theocratic environment as Jesus was, as God's people have been for the vast majority of their history. That religion and politics were so intrinsically tied together that they were that they were basically inseparable, and oftentimes there was a leader. Directly instituted by God Himself, you know, and put into place, you know, like you think about the kings of Israel and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and I think one of the fallacies that um, that American Christendom has convinced themselves of is that we should be pursuing the the most conservative Christian leader because somehow, like God wants to reinstitute this theocratic form of government with a Christian at the helm, 
and in a in a far more diverse country than you know has existed at least on American soil in its history. I, I just don't see that as ever becoming a reality. And so, like, as Christians, why do we? And I know you're, this is going to be a, a huge generality that I'm asking you to answer, but like, as Christians, why do we want to pursue like and and just have such an ardent desire for a Christian president? Like, why can't we just be okay with the fact that there are non-Christian leaders who can still do good things? Well, uh, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, you know, I think you know there's going to be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I can understand why people would want somebody that's like them or has similar values to them. Um, and so I can, I can, I can understand why a voter would want a president who, who they can identify with that has the same values, if, you know, and that sort of thing. However, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look at Mitt Romney running for president and being a Mormon. And that being an issue, right? Um, right. Was that was that a legitimate issue or not? Um, you know, is that is that something that that, that people should consider? Uh, as you know, at the same time, I mean, if somebody was a Wiccan and running for president or something like that, I, I I've got to think that that would probably be an issue for me. Um, you know, so I mean, it's it's I, I'd like to say that we shouldn't do that, but it it's it's hard to. It's hard to distance yourself from that kind of bias, and maybe it's not wrong to. I don't know. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, when JFK was elected, he was a Catholic, right? And that was such a big deal. So, Scandal. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, people like to identify with who they're elected. Um, I think one of the big problems that uh, President Obama has right now is he is um, he's just different than a rural voter, for instance. Right. Um, yeah. People don't identify from somebody from Hawaii that is very cityfied from Chicago or something like that. You know, whereas George Bush was folksy and that kind of stuff, and the urban liberals hated him. You know, and so I mean, it's right. uh, so I mean, you know, there's there's all sorts of things that we try to identify with uh, with people we elect, and faith is definitely one of them. And you know, I'm I'm guilty of it too. I mean, sure. it's it's not it's not just you know it's not just unsophisticated people and that sort of thing. Uh, I think it's I think all of us kind of look for that sometimes. So. Sure. Well, let me let me ask you this, and we got to wrap up pretty pretty quick here. Okay. Um, but uh, no, you're, I mean you're fine. Uh, but it's uh, one one of the things that I've been wondering about in this this last sort of election is I think sometimes we say, and you know, and maybe it really started back with the whole. Um, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky stuff where people started saying things like, Hey, I don't really care about, you know, his personal life or his personal character or whatever. I just care about his policies. I just care about his politics and I don't care about who he is, his character as a person or her character as a person. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Cause that, that's one of those things that I wrestle with, with say someone like Donald Trump, who I don't see to be as a man of character, uh, regardless of how I feel about his policies, even if I agreed with them, I don't see him as a man of character. And so how much do you think the person and their character should really affect us as people of faith or just even in general, the American people should value character in their political leaders? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I guess, I guess some people would say, oh, well, we should break that out. There should be a secular character we look to and then a Christian character we look to, right? Uh, sure. Their secular character 
uh, it's okay that he slept with somebody. That's that's his business, right? That kind of right. stuff. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, how do you break that out? And right. I don't know the answer. Had you know, I bet. Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, You're supposed I, to solve it, Brent. Doctor, all Burgess, of our problems. We have you here. This is why. This is, in my opinion, why. Donald Trump is a really bad example for this type of conversation because we automatically bring Donald Trump to like the absolute base of society. Like he is the worst (laughs) in all, in all categories. But then you got Bill Clinton too, that like, well, we didn't like him because he smoked marijuana once and had inappropriate relations with an intern. But guess what? He was a really good president from a fiscal responsibility. I mean, we had, you know, our GDP was great. Uh, our deficit was great. You know what? He didn't bring us into endless war. You know, there, there's lots of good things about what Bill Clinton did, but then we totally write him off because he had inappropriate relations with an intern. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Should should that not all count? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean some of the best presidents we've had have, I mean, look at FDR, right? I mean, he's he's sleeping with the help. Um, you know, yeah. You've got uh, LBJ. I mean, I can think of a lot of obviously uh, Kennedy, right? I mean, yep. you've got you've got all these presidents. Um, does that mean that basically we should look for presidents who lack character because they're going to be more effective? Exactly. Probably not, right? Right. That's uh, nonsense. Yeah. So I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, well, it comes down to what are we asking our president to do? Are we asking him to be the moral leader of our country? Are we asking him to make sure that we? that we're getting out of debt and that we're not, you know, going that, into endless war. I mean, that's the question though, Tom, like what are we asking him to do or her? In my opinion, we're, what we are asking our president to do is that when it comes to our nation, we are asking our president to make sure that we don't go into debt and that we are not uh, representing ourselves poorly around the world. And yeah, so that's to me where it gets really gray, but where, where the rubber meets the road is where we get into actual conflict with other countries. Okay. Like we can be a jerk, we can be a jerk to other countries, but when it actually gets to armed conflict, that's where it becomes a problem. I think what we're really asking our president to do is to be discreet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, we all knew Bill Clinton was doing what he was doing. We everybody knew. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a secret what LBJ and and Kennedy were doing. At least it wasn't to the people who knew in Washington and that kind of stuff. Um, but discretion is, you know, people know this stuff goes on. They just don't want to hear about it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. All right, final question, and then we'll let you go. All right, the most important one of the night. I hope you're ready. All right, bring it. If Frank Underwood was <laughs> running for president, would you vote for him? No, I, I love this. I love this show, but man, that guy is is just rotten to the core. Oh, I love him with every fiber of my being. Follow yeah. up, follow up question that doesn't involve Netflix. If you could choose any other person in this world, like that has a legitimate chance, give me give me another candidate who could possibly jump in here at the last moment and, and win our hearts and the election. Paul, I think Paul Ryan would have an excellent chance. You uh, need, we're done with this interview. Thanks for coming. Yeah. 
doesn't mean I like Paul Ryan, but I think he would. He he has. I think he has legs. I think he could. I think he could do it. He has appeal. Um, I In think, Wisconsin, I think he would be appealing to the moderate somehow. Um, and so, the thing is, uh, if Cruz or if Cruz or Trump are the nominee, they're they're toast. I mean, yep. And if they're going to lose to a scandal-ridden, you know, Democrat who's not really that popular. But it's going to be because we only have one of two choices, and basically, yep. it's going to come down to you can pick one or the other. And I'm not going to pick those guys, so I'm going to end up picking Clinton. Yep. Well, hey, Dr. Brent Burgess, it was so great to have you on here. Thank you for putting up with our nonsense and being patient with us. Um, you've been a true pleasure for us. We wish you well in all your endeavors and uh, as you close out this semester. So uh, thanks for being with us, man. Do I get right. class credits for this? Uh, yes. I'll, I'll be seeing your diploma. Oh, <laughs> so good. Thank you. you well, have thanks, guys. This was fun. Um, you know, I... Uh, I don't get interviewed a whole lot, so, um, so yeah, this is great. Um, well, good luck with your show. Let me know if I can um, if I can contribute again or something. Um, Here's how you can contribute: you can share and you can like just promote the crap out of us on Facebook and Twitter and any other available mediums that you have. Sure, send me a link. I'll put it on Facebook. Um, that'd be awesome. awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, Thank guys. Doctor Burgess. Oh, yeah. Just call me Brent. Y'all have a good one, man. All right. Thanks, Take Brent. care, brother. See you. y'all. That was a final track today from Scientist. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Like Gabe said at the beginning, you can find them on Spotify, um, MySpace. Yep. iTunes. Yep. No, th- those are relevant Instagram. things. MySpace wasn't. Twi- Twitter? Live, Twitter? Live journal. Okay. Well, anyway, you can find them all over the web. And they are Billboard, ta- Billboard chart topping band. So check them out. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up here for this episode, Talking Politics. And uh, I don't know, guys, any last thoughts? We kind of covered a lot. We got into it a little bit with one another. And I think we covered the political landscape here in America and the upcoming election pretty darn well. But um, anything that, uh, that you want to leave us with? Yeah, I got one uh, final thought for me uh, is I'm going to just throw it out there. I would like to replace Tom with Dr. Brent Burgess. Mm, I'd say we take this to a vote, a uh, popular vote, and there's three of us, so my Boom. vote is... You just yes. lost, Tom. Yeah, oh, I mine's actually, yes. What's I your actually vote? vote yes, too. I mean, this is... Okay, perfect. <laughs> this will be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. And on that note, no, 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 um, boy, I'd like to offer before, a few shout-outs this evening. No, 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 Tom, you just got no, kicked out. You're not allowed to before, speak. You cannot talk. You you're there, off the show. I, uh, I think the end of, of his his interview was actually fairly poignant because we need to get to the to the point of we don't know who we're going to vote for, and I, I I liked my own question because I asked it of course, but 
do we have a relevant another person to vote for? We're all stuck in this. Nobody likes any of the options. So what do we go with? And I, I think it gets back to your thing, Josh, of do you not vote? Let's let's leave it up to our fine listeners. Yes, uh, and if you are a fine listener and you find yourself in the Austin area and you'd like to hang out with some staunchly conservative Republican Leanderites, then you can make your way over to Axe Leander. Uh, however, if you're down here in the southeast, a very, very, very red part of the country, uh, but you're looking for growing populations of liberal entrepreneurs, then Chattanooga is the place to be. For the rest of you who feel sorry for Tom for getting voted out of Pine Glass Preachers, uh, you can go check him out up in Minnesota. And guess what? Tom has a new job. Let me tell you a little bit about it. I work for an organization called Second Harvest, which, believe it or not, is one of the largest food banks in the country. Now, if you're wondering what a food bank is, a food bank is an organization that brings in a lot of food from organizations like target or walmart or your local grocery store and they're the ones who put food on the shelves of the food shelf and so i am working for second harvest which means we are probably not a bunch of republicans because we actually care about people who don't have very much money and so that is not an official stance of pine glass preachers for the record uh that is definitely not an official stance of second harvest because i'll probably get fired for that (laughs) Well, so that Tom doesn't get kicked out of Pine Glass Preachers and fired from his brand new job, uh, once again, just want to give a shout out to that political guy you just heard talking, Dr. Brent Burgess at Concordia in Austin, Texas. So thank you to him and uh, all others. Janet, once again, thanks for listening. We always appreciate your listenership and your subscription. Uh, Speaking of subscriptions, guys, we would really love you guys to subscribe to our podcast, which means it'll automatically be downloaded right into your phone, and then you can listen to us on a weekly or bi-weekly or whenever we deign to actually do this podcast. Uh, You could also support us in another way, a very tangible way, by becoming one of our regulars, which means that you become a monthly automatic supporter of us for $1.99 a month. Uh, If you do this, we'll give you some extra content, something that will be awesome, maybe a T-shirt, maybe a pat on the back. Who knows? We don't know. It's true. Hey, well, as we close out, it's time for Last Call. Next week on Pint Glass Preachers, it's the top five episode. That's right. You suggest what it is, we'll talk about it. We're talking about our top five favorite hip-hop artists, our top five favorite sports teams, our top five favorite movies. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. We'd love to be in touch with you about it. We'll be posting questions all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, MySpace, Periscope, whatever you want. Talk to us. Top five coming your way next week. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to Pint Glass Preachers. We're out.